0: Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to read two verses Hebrews 10, verse 19 and verse 20. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. This morning I want to talk to you and share with you that there is a new everyday way that you are to live. There is a God life. There is a, there is a God life that you are to live. And there is a way that you and I are to live every day in every situation at all times. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said he went to prepare a place for us, that we would function in that place, that we would function from that place, that we would live there. This new God way of life in which you and I are to live is to affect everything about us. It is to affect your relationships. It is to have an effect on your marriage, your relationship with your children, with your grandchildren, your relationship with your boss, with your relationship with your coworkers, your relationship with church members. It is to affect your financial affairs. It is to have an effect on your your health, your strength, your attitudes, your demeanor. It is to affect your joy and your peace. It is to affect every area in your life. This is a place where you are to live in and from. Now let's consider. Jesus' sacrifice was absolutely perfect. Also, you were perfected forever by his sacrifice. In addition to that, you now have the power of the Holy Spirit. And as if that is not enough, God has given unto you and I great and precious promises. When you consider that, our lives should be like, we should be living lives that are as days of heaven on earth. We should be living lives that are that are that are that are, that are <laughs> I was going to say exotic. But we should be living lives that are so rich, so full, so glorious, so full of grace and righteousness, so full of truth. Hallelujah. We should be having an epic life, so to speak. Days of heaven on earth. We are to be having a life that is the very life of Christ himself, the way Christ would be if he was walking on this earth, living in you and through you. The fact is, however, and I say the fact, not the truth. The fact is, however, that that is not the experience of most of us, but it needs to be. So what are the instructions of reproof? What are the instructions of corrections that are from God that can produce this God kind of life, this abundant life that will cause us to live this way, in our everyday life, in every situation, in every way, no matter what's going on. Let's consider this even even a little bit further, all right? Jesus, by his one sacrifice, has put away sin, which is the very root of all the problems in the human race, which is the root of all the problems of our lives. The Bible says he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It says in 1 John 3:8, for this purpose he was manifested, to destroy and put an end to the works of the devil. This is why he came, to destroy the works of the devil, even the very roots of it. Again, Christ, having abolished, having, having abolished sin and, 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 and death, And he spoiled principalities and powers. He defeated the enemy, made a show of them openly. He obtained for you and I a perfect redemption for mankind. And when he was done, he sat down at the right hand of God. And from there, expecting that his enemies would be made his footstool. Jesus Jesus' sacrifice is absolutely perfect. There is no room for improvement. It is perfect. Furthermore, by his offering, by the offering of his body, by his very sacrifice, you and I have been perfected forever. Hebrews 10, verse 14. There is no room for improvement. You and I have been perfected forever. No, yes, that is in your spirit. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are now the very offspring of God. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. You are born again from above. You are born again from the very seed of God. You are born again from the very spirit of God. And in addition to that, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. God has given unto you all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. God has given you and I great and precious promises by which we are able to partake of his divine nature so that we can live this abundant life, so that we can manifest this very life of God. And as if that's not enough, we have received the power of the Holy Ghost. For it's not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. Now, what is this abundant, brilliant, gorgeous, wonderful life of God that God has for you and I that we are to be living in, walking in, manifesting every single day in every situation? What is that like? What does that look like? Well, a couple of things. Number one, God has called you to fellowship and intimacy with himself. First Corinthians 1.9. What else is it supposed to look like? God has called you into the very grace of Christ. Galatians 1.6. That, um, that, that um, sufficiency and provision of Christ, the anointed one. You are called into that. Galatians 5.13. You are called to liberty and freedom. Total freedom, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are called to the kingdom of God. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 14, I believe it is. You are called to the kingdom of God. That kingdom of God is on the inside of you, Luke 17, 21. You are called to the peace of God. That peace that passes all understanding, that shalom, that wholeness, that peace where God has reconciled everything unto himself by the sacrifice of Christ, whether they be things in heaven or on earth or under the earth, whether they be visible or invisible, you have got this supernatural, divine peace of God where everything is, is, is reconciled to God's original intent. This is what you call to. Nothing is against you. Nothing, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You've got the victory totally right in the very beginning. You are born victorious. You are called to the eternal glory and virtue of God. First Peter chapter five, verse 10, second Thessalonians two, verse 14, second Peter one, verse three, and then you are called to eternal life. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. We fight the good fight of faith. Why? That we might lay a hold on that eternal life, that life of God, this abundant life, this everyday life that we ought to be walking in. Now, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. That is enormous. That is so brilliant that the word of God says that you and I as believers, he has called us that we would um, make all men see what is this mystery of christ in us the whole hope of glory that we must this must be the evidence of our lives that we are reproducing in others that we are able ministers of this new covenant this is what you and i are supposed to be sharing and imparting and bringing others into glory to god so you see this life that we are talking about here these things that we that are described from what we are called to are the very as those things are manifest fu- manifest in our life, they would literally be the fulfillment of Colossians 1 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the confident expectation of the manifestation of the excellency of God in your earthen vessel. Ha ha ha. We've got this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Glory to God. Now, if this, if this life would be our experience, our testimony, what would happen? We would be having the reality and we would be the living epistle and embodiment and, 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 and billboard of greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the fact of the matter is This is not the experience of most Christians. Why is it that we seem to come short of this glory? Why is it that we seem to come short of this totally victorious life that Jesus has paid a price for you and I to have and to walk in? Why is that? Well, there is is another thing we are called to. And as in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, I'm going to read it. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 says, hallelujah, glory to God. It says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. What does that mean? It means then that you are, also, you are not only called to the grace of Christ and the, and, and, and the, and the liberty and, and, and the, the nature and the eternal life and the kingdom of God and glory and virtue. But you are also called to the suffering of Christ. Now, this is not talking about a physical suffering of sickness and disease. Jesus bore that. Jesus carried that away on his cross. You're redeemed from that. But rather, it is talking about a price and the cost that you must pay as you say no to the flesh. As you say no to that self-nature. As you say no to sin. As you say no to to self-righteousness. And as you stand firmly, strongly by the, power of the, by the power of God in the face of every pressure that can and will come against you, accusation, persecution, misunderstanding will come your way when you choose to live this way. Jesus said they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. When you decide that I'm going to live for God and I'm going to live as if I'm crucified with Christ, I'm going to live as if the life that I now live is the life of Christ, I'm going to be bold and confident and and declare the truth of the Word of God and declare men's reconciliation and, and bring people into the fellowship of this mystery. When you decide that this is how you're going to live, then the Bible says that there is going to be persecution for righteousness' sake. Many are the persecutions of the righteous. Thank God he delivered us from them all. But don't believe the pressure will not come. They do come. But then you see, you've got to stand in those situations and against that pressure by the power of the Holy Ghost. He did not leave us comfortless, He did not leave us without help. He sent the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But there is a cost, and that cost is the suffering. Paul said in Acts chapter 20 verse 24, I count not my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. Paul described what he went through in in, in dealing with the conflict, in dealing with the pressure, in dealing with the suffering. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's Let's get Paul's description on this, what he went through. Remember, it said there in Peter that Christ is our example and we are, to, uh, we are to partake of his suffering. And Paul sure did. Paul even said one place that I complete the suffering of Christ and so are you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, this, this is a snapshot, verse 7. Paul says, look, we've got this treasure in earthen vessels, the very life of Christ. The very light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We've got that treasure in this earthen vessel. And if that light will come forth, it will remove the blinders off of the minds of those that the enemy have in darkness. And this is the ministry we have. And anybody goes on to say in verse 8 we, have, we are hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted. It's happening, but we're not forsaken. We are even struck down, but we're not destroyed. Paul is going through all of these stuff, and there's another place when it talks about the shipwreck and the many, many things, and, and how they try to, um, how one time they, try, how they stoned him, and all these things. Now, I'm not believing that you and I would be stoned or anything like that, but there is still. There is, still, there is still conflict. There is still misunderstanding. There is still accusations. There, is still gonna, there are going to be still situations that will come every day because the devil want to steal a word out of your life. He want to steal your testimony. He don't want you to function in the life of Christ. But look what Paul goes on to say. In the, in, 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 in the, in the face of all of these things, that I'm been experiencing verse 10 he says i always carry about in my body always i carry about in my body the dying of the lord jesus i always live in this identification of the sacrifice of christ being crucified with him and being raised up together with him and the reason why i do it is so that this very life of christ that i'm called to manifest and walk in might be made manifest in my mortal body what's paul talking about paul is saying the exact same thing that jesus said in luke 9 23 in luke 9 23 jesus said you want to be where i am You want to live my life? You want to have my life dominate you and reign and flow through you? There is going to be a cost. And here is what Jesus says. He said to them, if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to live the life of Christ and have that life manifested, this awesome, good, wonderful, abundant life, Jesus says the only way you can do this is that you must take up your cross daily and follow him. So that's the cost. That's the price. That is the suffering. What it takes in in, in taking up that cross daily and following him. You see, sometimes in carrying that cross, you may have to forgive someone 70 times, 7 in a day, and you might not feel like it. You might be in situations where you would want to be harsh and mean and judgmental and revengeful, but but because you are functioning in this nature, what do you do? You say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even when you are being stoned like Stephen was, you will go ahead and remit their sins. Because you see, in so doing, you can create the very spiritual atmosphere over their life so that the Spirit of God can come in and deliver them and change them from a soul and make, make them a Paul. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Here is a verse of Scripture. But like as I said, this is a reality. These things happen. This is part of the Christian life. But you've got to be able to stand strong by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come into your life to make you a witness, to make you a minister of this new covenant. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 says, Therefore, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of, of, of his prisoners, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Let me put a paraphrase on this. Don't be ashamed and draw back or back down because of the testimony of our Lord. But take your share of the suffering that comes with preaching and living the gospel of Christ in you. Don't run away, but stand. Stand in the power of God and by the power of God. Paul is yes, Paul, Paul, Paul lived this. Paul was totally committed to this. He was totally committed to functioning in the nature of Christ and to function in the very person of Christ, no matter what the cost is. That's why he said again, Acts 20 24 I don't even count my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy and complete the ministry and the assignment that the Lord has given unto me. In Acts chapter 26 and verse verse 18, when Paul was talking, I think it was to King Agrippa, and he was sharing his testimony, how that God delivered him. From the Gentiles and sent him right back to them to deliver them and to open their eyes and to cause them to get a hold of the inheritance and so on. And then he goes on to say, I had a heavenly vision and I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision no matter what came my way, no matter what problems came, no matter what anyone thought. Why was that, Paul? Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 15 and 16 that when God called me from my mother's womb, it was for this purpose, to reveal his son in me. Now, that's the same for you. God has called you to himself, and his purpose is that the life of Christ might be revealed in you and through you. First John 4, 9, Herein is the love of God manifested, that God gave His only begotten Son, that you might live your life through him, and that his life might be lived through you, and you and him would be one. And it would not be you, but it would be his life being made manifest, and you would be the very epistle of Christ. Paul says, I, so, I was so committed to that, that I came to the comprehension, according to Galatians 2.20, that I am crucified with Christ, and it's not me here, but it is Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul walked that out so much that that scripture became his testimony, that it was no longer him, but it was the life of Christ. Paul says, look, no matter what happens, here, this is where I stand. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's see just the degree to which Paul was committed to that. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3 for a moment. Because you see, we need to have this same mindset. You know, Paul is going to say in another place, follow me as I followed Christ. Amen? That is why we're looking at this. Because this is not just a story about about Paul. We should not read these things from a place of separation. But we should read read these scriptures from a sense of, of um Uh, not being detached but being attached recognizing that what we are reading about this is the very it's talking about us it's talking about the life that you need to live it's talking about that when you see Christ walking and Jesus walking the shores of Galilee raising the dead and doing a one and forgiving people's sins and 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 standing and going down on the floor and writing and saying things such as who is without sin let him cast the first stone when you see those things it's not just talking about Jesus and you are not to just detach yourself from that but you must see that that is the Christ that is in you that is saying the same thing that is saying father forgive them that is saying they know not what they did that is saying it's the father that is within me he it is that doeth the works amen we must let that mind be in us. Jesus says, if you believe on me, if you believe like me, if you operate in oneness with me, the works that I do, shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Because I'm going to the Father, and I'm coming back, and I'm going to be living in you and through you. Hallelujah. So in Philippians chapter 3, let's see the depth of Paul's commitment to this end, functioning in the nature of Christ and, 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 and in that oneness. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul says those things that were gained to me, I count them all but lost. He even says they come number them but All the things I've accomplished, all my history, all my education, I was, in one place, he said, um, how he was, I, I mean, he had kept the law in, in such a blameless manner. He, was, he came forth from the, from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But he says all of those things, Accolades, is that what they call it? All of those accolades, I condemn them all but loss. I come them because all I want to do is win Christ. I want to just get a hold of him. I come it all but loss. I come them all but dung in comparison to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says it's intimacy with him. That's what my pursuit is. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them all but rubbish, just so that I might gain Him, Christ, that intimacy, functioning in that anointing and in that nature and be found in him anytime you come looking for me i don't want you to find me walking in the flesh i don't want you me to you to find me walking in a spirit of offense i don't want to see you i don't want you to find me operating outside of him but i want to be always found in him not having my own righteousness based on my own doing and my own good works but i might be found in him having the very righteousness of god in christ and because that is my pursuit hear me now here is what it's all about. I want to know him. I want to be intimate with him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want it to be real and experiential to me. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be one with it. I want to be conformed even unto his death, where it is not me here, but it's Christ that liveth in me, for I have been crucified with him, and it's no longer I that live. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That was Paul's mindset. Amen? Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says, The suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. I'm saying this all these wonderful things that we are called to, the grace of Christ, the, the, the liberty of Christ, the, the eternal nature, the kingdom of God, glory and virtue. All these wonderful things that we are called to, as sons of God are not gonna be made manifest if we don't answer the call to the suffering of Christ. Second Timothy 2, verse 12, Paul says, For me to um, he says, If I suffer with him, I will reign with him. And in another place, if I be dead with him, then I'll also live with him. Hallelujah. This was so much Paul's perception and mindset that Paul says talking about all the tests and the trials and the situation and being perplexed and and, and all of that, Paul says this is my mindset. I operate in a spirit of faith according as it is written. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 he says look, all things are for your sakes or all things are for my sakes that grace having spread through the many May cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. I like the old King James for this one. Paul says, look here, whatever's happening, whatever persecution, whatever pressures, they are all for my sake. And as I recognize that, and I abound in thanksgiving, what happens? I'm in faith. And when there's a faith that it might be by grace, so all things are for my sake. And instead of complaining, griping, murmuring, I abound in thanksgiving. And then grace flows. Deliverance comes, which could be a blessing to me and to others. And he says, why is it that I count all things for my sake? Why do I say that everything is against me? Everything is for my sake. Well, first of all, it's not about me. It's about him. You see, the devil don't really. Care. The devil is too selfish to care anything about you, to care about anything about you, your life, or any of that stuff. He couldn't care less about you. He doesn't even care about the demons that serve him. But what happened? What is it? Why is the enemy after you? It is because number one, he don't want the seed of the word of God in your life to produce. The parable of the sower teaches that they, that he's coming after the word. He is coming with persecution and with pressure so that the word might not take root. He is coming with the lust of other things and the cares of this world, so that even if the word takes root, those thorns can come up and choke the word. And he's hoping that from the very beginning, you don't even have understanding of the word and that the word, the word falls on dry ground where it doesn't even spring up at all and the bird can come immediately and steal it. But what is he after? Is it you know he's after the word? It says in, another, in James, come to all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, tests and trials. Why? you knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience. It's not about you, but he has to steal that faith from you. He got to get you off of the word because if your faith remains, if the word remains, the word will bring up a harvest after its own kind. And if your faith remains. The faith is the shield that will quench every fiery dart of the devil. If your faith, will, you will, you will so abound in faith. That you're going to take the testimony of your victory. Reproduce it in other people. And next thing you know. The manifestation of your, of your victory becomes multiplication in others. He can't handle that. So he's got, to, he's got to steal the word. He's got to steal your faith. And he definitely don't want you to be functioning in the nature of Christ. Why? Because for Christ to live big in you and to live through you, that is the same Christ that crushed his head. Amen? You know, there's a saying, whenever the devil comes rapping on the door, send Jesus to answer. See how quickly he will flee. Draw near to God, resist the devil. So the devil don't want you functioning in that nature of Christ because everything and everyone bows to that nature. That nature is positioned far above principalities, powers, might, and dominion. Everything bows to the nature of Christ. Hallelujah. So, the, so it's not about you. When you, I mean, you might experience certain things in your life. I mean, you want to bring destruction, steal, kill, and destroy. But it's because he wants to stop the word from working. He wants to stop your faith from, walking, w- from working. And he don't want you to function in the nature of Christ. Paul understood that. So Paul says, it's not about me. All things are for my sake and the more pressure that he brings on me I'm not gonna look on the things that are seen but I'm gonna look at the things that are not seen I'm gonna keep looking on to Jesus I'm gonna keep looking to what is finished and it's gonna work and produce within me a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory I'm not gonna let the devil use the pressure to cause me to become offended and start looking at me. I am not going to allow him to, bring the, to use the pressure to bring me to the place where I come out of the realm of the spirit. And I come into the natural physical realm of appearances where he can defeat me. You see, it's like this. I don't know if you've ever seen. Do um, you used to have this in... The world of sports and da 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 da. Where they had this strongman event, and you would have this guy that is like like 450 pounds, and they have this competition, and he's pulling some huge tire that comes off of a tractor, and he's running with it, and and, and so on, and then he comes and he and he has this. And he chops a tree down this big block in a just in a few seconds, and he does all these strong man things. And I mean, I mean, I mean, you look at the guy, you look at all the muscles, and you look at his feet, and you realize there is no way I could deal with this Goliath. But guess what? If you're gonna, but guess what? But then what happened? They come here, comes the, the, um, the, the, the swimming event, yeah. and when they got into the water, that big guy that was doing all that tough stuff, he can't swim. And I mean that he was just floundering, just trying to stay afloat, and he was literally drowned in. Now let me ask you something. If you had a fight with him, should you fight him on the land? Or should you go take him into the swimming pool? Take him in the swimming pool. He's weak over there. Well, that's the case. When you go dealing with the devil on the land, when you go dealing with the devil in the realm of what it looks like, what it feels like, with emotions, with intellect, and in that arena, and appearances, you are in a place where he who has been around for centuries got a lot of information, got a lot of information about your background, your history, your genealogy, and and all kinds of stuff, he he can now come and use that against you because in that arena, he is the God of this world and he... Will master you so what you do don't fight him on the land take him in the water take him in the water of the word take him in the realm of the spirit because in the spirit you are more than a conqueror hallelujah blessed be the name of the Lord so how can you live this life how can you live this life what is it gonna take you see in this life the Bible says you give thanks always in this life In this particular place, you rejoice in the Lord always. In this place, you are clothed with humility. In this place, you pray without ceasing. How can you? That means all the time. This is where you live. We are talking about a place where you are to live. Hallelujah. This is where you live and how you live. Again, Paul says, follow me like I follow Jesus. So how how do we do this? Well, here is the key. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Here is the key. Glory to God. And this is actually our text for this message. Back to verse um, Well, verse 20. is going to talk about the new living way. But let me back it up. Verse 16. This is the covenant. This is the new covenant that we are now standing in. Verse 17. Where there are sins and there are lawless deeds. God says, I'm going to remember it no more. Because where there is remission of these. There is no longer an offering for sin. The earth's sins have been removed, wiped out. There is no record of it before heaven. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has wiped it out and removed it completely. Therefore, you can come boldless into the holiest of holies, the very presence of God your Father through the blood of Jesus. And And then it says, by a new and a living way. It is new because it wasn't there before. It is a living way because this is the way in which you are to now live. This is the place Jesus went and prepared for you. This is the place where he took his blood. In this new and living way which he has consecrated. And he's saying, this is the way, walk in it, where he has consecrated for us. How? Through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Remember when Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, how the veil was thrown from the top to the bottom? That was a t- type of what he did in his flesh. Him becoming a curse, him being bit beaten, him taking the sickness and disease, and all those other things. So, this new and living way is, a, is the place that brings you into the holiest of holies, where even when you're walking on this earth, no matter what the situation is, that's where you are positioned in the throne room of God, in the holiest of holies. I've said this before, and I'll say it many times to come. It is your position that will change your condition. But how do you get there? You get there through the blood and through the veil of his flesh, which is to say you get there because what he did in his physical body and what he did by his shed blood, which is to say what he did by his sacrifice. This is so important that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, the only, my priority when I come and see you, when I find out how you're living your Christian life, all I really want to know, all I want to find out about, all I am concerned about is this, Christ alive in you. Christ, the very life that you live in right now, and him being crucified, the fact that he was crucified and you were crucified with him, are you living in that reality? Are you living in the reality that you've been crucified with him? It's no longer you. Everyone else has been crucified and the things connected to his death. Hallelujah. This is the new living way. Jesus said the Father seeks such to worship Him in spirit and in truth. This is the truth. The truth is what He has finished. The truth is what He did in His blood. The truth is what He finished by when He offered up His body as a sacrifice. Ephesians 3 verse 12 describes that place this way. It says, when you are functioning in this place that you have entered in the holiest of holies through the blood, through the veil of His flesh, you can have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Christ. That means you can have boldness and access with confidence to the throne of God, to your heavenly Father, but you can also have boldness and access to the principalities and powers and declare the very wisdom of God. You can also have, you can be in a place where whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, where you can operate in authority over devils and demons and sickness and disease. It is from this place that you can have access to people. Access so that their power of agreement works. Access so that you can now cause all men to see what is their part in this life of Christ. This is the place where you can have access to people. Where you can remit their sins and declare that God was in Christ reconciling them unto himself. Not holding their sins and trespasses against them. Hallelujah. This is the place. This is the place where you should live. You should, and therefore, we are to practice. You see, what you practice, you become good at. You are to acknowledge the truth of the blood and the stone flesh. There are times, sometimes, when I'm praying my own self or with someone, I would take a moment and I would say, Father, I just want to thank you right now that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is shed. And I thank you that I stand here before your presence. And because of that blood, there is no more consciousness of sins. I've been made your righteousness. I thank you, Father, that I enter into this place because of everything Jesus did in his body. And by that body, I'm sanctified and separated unto you. And I'll thank you for this wonderful, glorious privilege. And then from there, then I might begin to pray about whatever situation might be. And if someone is with me, then I'll try to bring them into that place. If there are environments and situations and anxieties and stuff that are trying to crowd my mind or their mind, I will take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and I sever every negative environment, maybe that work environment I just came from, that strifeful conflict or whatever else it might be, or whatever else is trying to torment my mind, and I sever it by the word of the living God. For everything is naked and exposed and, and, and cannot stand up against the word. So Father, I thank you that I'm free, and here I am in your presence. It is from this place that you got to learn to cast all your cares. You know, we say, cast all your cares on him. Yeah, but if where you're casting from is that place of your anxiety and your fears and your flesh, it's not going to work very well. Why not position yourself, Father, you are my father. This is where I stand because of the blood, because of the, 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 the torn flesh of Jesus. And I cast all these cares upon you so that I'm free from them. You have to practice these things. You are to practice casting your cares from this place. When you pray, pray from this place. When you declare, when you decree, when you speak to the mountains, when you declare the decrees of the Lord, do it from this place. When you command the works of his hands, do it from this place. When you minister, when you lay hands on the sick, what are you, you're not doing it in your own strength. You're not doing it because you're looking at the circumstances and what's happening with the person. No, I am coming from this place. I have been washed by the blood of Jesus. We are in this place by the veil of his flesh. And I speak and I minister, not in my own strength, but by the power of the Holy Ghost, so that as I stretch forth my hands, Father, I thank you that the hand of the Lord is touching them right now, bringing freedom, bringing liberty, bringing healing in the name of Jesus. Minister from this place. Bind the devil from this place. Even when you worship the Lord, worship him from this place in spirit, and in truth. Hallelujah. Now, as you become developed in functioning in, functioning in this, as you become developed, what happens? You can sometimes, sometimes you, you, you can do it in a very abbreviated way simply by saying Jesus because the name of Jesus gives us access into the same place. Sometimes you can just simply declare, God, you are my father, our father, and here you are. But you need to develop this awareness and this consciousness that this is where you are, this is where you live and learn how to live from this place, this new and living way. Now there are eight practical applications that comes out of the sacrifice of Christ, what Jesus did in his dead burial, resurrection and ascension, and his shed blood. that as you apply these, what will happen? It will bring you in, into that same place and consciousness, living. In the holiest of holies. The Bible says that in Colossians 2 verse 12. That when Jesus went to the cross. God placed you and every human being in him. So that you were crucified with him. You were buried with him by baptism unto death. And that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father. You were also raised up together with him. And you also ascended with him, and you are seated at the Father's right hand in Christ, and you've been washed by his blood. So, everything Jesus did in his sacrifice, he did with you in him. He did with you baptized or, or tied with him. It's like you were tattooed in there with him. And everything he did, you did. Everywhere he went, you went. And everything he accomplished, he accomplished on your behalf and for you. Hallelujah. That's the very essence of communion. Your fellowship with what was done in, in his body represented by the bread. Your fellowship, your common part in what he did when he shed his blood and your part in it. it is the, the essence of communion is your common share and participation in the sacrifice. So, very quickly, here are eight applications and these are things you got to develop and study and practice and so you become more, more skillful at it. But there are eight aspects of the sacrifice I'm going to walk through them. Number one, crucifixion. You were crucified with Christ. That means that it's no longer about you. You came to an end. You were crucified with him. Now it's the life of Christ. Galatians 2.20. And now it's Christ living through you. 1 John 4.9. So because you were crucified with him, you were crucified to the world. So what is in the world and the voice of the world and the lust of the flesh and these things have no authority over you. But you must declare that the the, the power of crucifixion and this entire sacrifice works when you speak it. You see, if you believe, the corresponding action of believing is speaking. If I believe, I receive, then I'm going to say I have it. If I believe I was crucified to the world, etc., etc., then I'll say it. And when you say it, it is the preaching of the cross that is produces the power. Amen? Hallelujah. First Corinthians 1:18. So study it out and you'll find you are crucified. People are crucified. You are crucified to the law, so you're not dependent on your works anymore. You are crucified to the curse and the effects of the breaking of the law, so they have no authority over you. And when you recognize that everyone was crucified with him, 2 Corinthians 5.14, for when he died, we judge that he died for all. Then we're all dead. So, so the very person that you're angry with, the very person that has um, violated you, that you've got good reason to, 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 to be angry with and, and probably even be revengeful to, you can now remit their sins recognizing the fact that they were crucified and therefore their wrongdoings, you don't impute it to them. And you become the very minister of reconciliation. And as you remit their sins, what happened? Instead of them being under the dominion and the power and authority of that sin and the devil having access, what happened? You are able to break that power. You are able to create an atmosphere in their lives, forgiving. Jesus says, whoever sins, you, forgive, I forgive. And as you do that, what happened? The spirit of God can now move in and begin to change their hearts and bring deliverance to them. And bring deliverance to you. Amen. So there is that practical application of each of these things. For example, crucifixion. Number two, you are buried with him. Now because you are buried with him, all of your past, all of your history is gone. So you can stand boldly and declare, all things have passed away. All things have become new. I, my history is not my identification. Whatever happened in my past, I'm free from it because I'm brand new. I've got a brand new start in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then number three and four, resurrection and ascension. You see, when Jesus was raised up, you were raised up and you were born again to a living hope. You've got a brand new hope. And, 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 and Paul prayed about that, that you would know what is the hope. You were born again to an inheritance. You have come into a new position. You are seated at the Father's right hand. God, Jesus, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. He poured out His Spirit, and He gave gifts. He, he He gave what we call the fivefold ministry gifts, but He also gave the gifts of His Spirit. So by ascension, you have become rich in utterance. You have become strong in grace. You've become um, You've become You don't come short in any gifts. All these things are available to you. That you are profiting. What is it saying? First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse seven. Where it says, let me get this verse of scripture. It's popping up in my head. Somebody out there needs it, or maybe it's just me. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Corinthians twelve verse seven. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the prophet, for a prophet. So these things are yours by resurrection and ascension, and the power of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Now the blood, the blood has been shed. That's number five. And now you have a new covenant because of this blood, you are made righteous. Because of this blood, Revelation 5:9 says, you, you are redeemed out of every human definition and identification so that your identity is no longer Caucasian, black, white, the pigment of your skin. It's no longer history, culture, background. It's no longer education. It's no longer genes and who your parents were. You, God is your father. You are redeemed out of those things and you're redeemed unto God. And by the blood of Christ, you have now become qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. Colossians 1.12. That's by virtue of the blood, and then there is more. And then there's the life of Christ. As a result of the sacrifice of Christ, when you've accepted Jesus Christ, is now your life. The life you now live is the life of Christ. And as he is, so are you in this world. Colossians 2.10, you are complete in his life. You are complete in Christ. You now have his nature. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Hallelujah. Again, so what is the point? As you apply and as you immerse yourself, as you be established in these things, as you confess these things, as you live these things, as these things become practice, the Bible says it is the exercise. You exercise yourself onto righteousness. You exercise yourself onto godliness. You exercise yourself and practice so that you can function in this god life. Faith is a practice. It's something you do all the time. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, number seven, I think it is, that belongs to you. You have a lot of authority and the life that comes out of his name, the authority to bind and loosen, the authority to approach the throne of God in prayer. Hallelujah. And then number eight, they are the promises of God, the utterances of God, what God has spoken concerning you, the written word of God. By these promises, you are a partaker of the divine nature and the very ministry of the Spirit. So here you have eight applications, crucifixion, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, the life of Christ, the name of Jesus, and the promises and utterances of God, all of which As you apply them, it will cause you to be established in this new and living way. It will cause you to be established so that you can live from where you are in the holiest of holies from the throne of God. You are going to be now able to do what? In situations, instead of just operating in the natural, you let these things rule. You let these things dominate you. You get your mind renewed. This new God life Is to be your everyday life. You have to make that commitment. That Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. But it's Christ that liveth in me. That is my life. You got to make a commitment to that verse of scripture. Until that scripture becomes your testimony. And I'll tell you. If you don't do that what will happen? Galatians 2.21 says. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Because if this righteousness came by my works and by the law, Jesus died in vain. What happens? If you do not endeavor to recognize that it's no longer you, but it is the life and the nature of Christ that is now yours, if you do not do that, then what will happen is that you will frustrate the grace of God. Here is the grace and the the empowerment and the enablement and the sufficiency of God trying to get true to you so it can operate. But then what happened? It can't get there because you're refusing to recognize you're crucified and you're refusing to function in the life and the nature of Christ. So that grace, with all of its provision, with all of its gifts, with all of its empowerment and its uh, enablement, is trying to get to you, but it gets scattered. It gets scrambled. It just can't get through to you. And you frustrate the grace of God. And guess what? We are to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness in order that we might reign in this life by virtue of what Jesus has done, by virtue of his sacrifice. Romans 5, 17. So you got to live this. You got to live this. Hallelujah. You've got to own the sacrifice. The Bible says you've got to become established in righteousness. Isaiah 54, verse 14. When you become established in this oneness, because you see, It not being you, you being crucified, and the life of Christ being your new life, that is the very essence of righteousness. Galatians 2.21, that oneness, that is the essence of it. Now, Isaiah 54, verse 14 says that you are to be taught of the Lord and become established in this righteousness. Become established in this reality that it's no longer you, but it's Christ that lived in you. And, if you. and as you become established in righteousness, it says you will be far from oppression because you shall not fear. You're going to be operating in an realm where there is no fear. And as a result, the devil has no access and you, ha- you don't have that torment and you don't have all that oppression. You'll be operating in a realm where according to 1 John 5, 18, the evil one will touch you not and you will be underneath the shadow of the Almighty. How do you get there? You've got to practice living in this place. You've got to practice being established in this new and living way, this new place where you can live the God kind of life, the life that Jesus purchased for you to live, live, which is his very own life. So, Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for everyone that is tuning in to this broadcast. Everyone that might be listening to this sometime later, by CD or by whatever means. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that, Father, that this invitation by your Spirit, you by your Spirit, stirring up and speaking and pleading through me to everyone. Be reconciled to God. Come into this life and nature of Christ. Come into this new and living way. Be established in this oneness. Recognize that it's no longer you, but it's Christ that liveth in you. Recognize that it is his life. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would so unveil these things to your children that they would become established in it. And that they will do the great exploits. That you will show yourself strong. That the works that Jesus did, they will do also. That they will bring many others into the fellowship of this mystery of Christ in us. The hope of glory. Father, I thank you for doing it. By the power of the Holy Ghost. In the authority of the name of Jesus. In accordance to the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I give you praise and glory and thanksgiving and honor in Jesus' name.